Saw he was he was out. Oh, here you come here he comes, that thing didn't hit you did it? It looks like it just got the building. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I was having a little trouble with my drone. My were you friend. doing a little practicing for the drone I racing was, league? I, yeah, for the DRL man. I heard we we're gonna have somebody on. I was practicing. I you know, this is exciting. Showing stuff. my skills, but. Uh, I'm going to have to get myself a new drone, I think. <laughs> so this is What the Truck. We're a podcast, video show, TV show that happens here at Freightways every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on normal days when it's not events at noon Eastern time to 1 o'clock. You can watch it on Freightways LinkedIn, Freightways Facebook, on demand on the Freightways TV app, and also on podcast players everywhere where we are a top 50 business news podcast on Apple's charts. Just look up What the Truck or... Or look up Freightcast and get every single Freightways podcast all on one feed, including Michael Vincent, all of the sessions from this event. Yeah, which have been excellent so far. Yeah. Very, very interesting, uh, all the different use cases and and the future of, of where drones are going. Yeah, we've learned very a lot so far. So if you're just tuning in at this event, we did a keynote early on. I talked to PK from over at NASA. We were talking about air traffic control. He put all these drones in the air. He put millions of drones in the air. Who's going to oversee them? Right now it's the FAA. NASA is working on solutions to better that. We heard about underwater drones and their use cases, delivery drones and their use cases. But you know what? You need drones. You need pilots. And how do you go and find them? And how do you test the limits of these things? And how do you really capture it and turn it into entertainment and tap into video game culture and Twitch culture and streaming culture? Yeah. That's what Drone Racing League seems to be all about. It really does as well. I mean, you got to think about the training aspect of it, right? Developing that talent for, for drones. We're going to need people who need to know how to handle these things, what they're capable of doing, and having, having that talent to, to move them, right? Yeah, I mean, stuff like that is how you expand an industry, too, because yeah. you have young kids who are inspired. They see the drones flying around. They want to get involved. They become more receptive to drones. It becomes very naturalized and very normalized to how we go about doing things. And that's important when we're talking about this new delivery category, especially in areas like where Michael Vincent lives, where they just got running water, and they may not be familiar <laughs> with, with drones flying in the sky. They might want that giant fly swatter. <laughs> Don't let my neighbors know I got running water. They'll be coming. Oh, no, my they'll door. be lined up down the they'll street in front up. of your place. <laughs> well, we have, an, we have an excellent guest to talk about this, too. She's joining us right now. She's Ashley Ellefson. She's the COO of the Drone Racing League out of my father's hometown, Brooklyn, New York. Ashley, Ooh, nice. thanks for joining us on the show today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Now, Ashley, you are on the, the cusp of, like, every millennial movement. You were with Tough Mudder before doing the Drone Racing League. So you've been with them near the beginning. So let's start there. What is, who are you, what's the, and what's the Drone Racing League? Yeah, so I'm Ashley. Um, I completely right. I have been with DRL since before we were putting drones in the air and bringing the world's best pilots together to race them and broadcast globally across the world. Uh, drone racing league is just that we are the number one professional drone racing league and property. So we bring together the world's top pilots. We build up these really immersive, very cool looking courses in venues across the world. Uh, and we put on a race. It's exciting. You know, that we were talking about the noise issue with, like, delivering things because it, it, it seems like it's it could true. be pretty loud. It's six of these drones flying around at, like, 80 miles an hour. 
Absolutely. So that's one of the things that is really surprising to people when they come watch a race in real life as well. You do not realize exactly how loud they are in a lot of the venues that we're in. They echo. You can feel the rush of the wind as they fly right in front of you as well. So it is really exciting. We like to put fans kind of as close to the action as possible. I think we got a sense of how how loud they are, Ashley. After after that video, which is pretty nice. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, as as Duner mentioned, you've been on the on the at the start of of a couple really cool movements that you would define as very millennial, right? Uh-huh. So it, tough mutter came from tough mutter, and now over to DRL. Can you talk about that transition and and how you came over and why you came over? What's the inspiration? Yeah. Uh, exactly. So I I love building things. Personally, I have just, you know, fallen in love with being a part of startups. I love it when someone tells me that idea is crazy. This is never going to take off. And, you know, I have a couple under my belt now, which have just been so exciting to be a part of from the ground up. We are consistent between the two, solving problems that no one ever thought was a problem. So DRL, for example, when we started, the first thing that we realized is that we were going to need to make and build our own drones in order to put on the types of courses in the types of venues that we really envisioned for the sport. Uh, We are a technology company at our core. That was not something that I had known about before I started with DRL. I knew tangentially what a drone was. And so just the amount that I've learned over the last almost six years about what drones are, how we use them in racing and all of their other applications has grown a lot. Now, you jumped right on board because you knew the CRO from Tough Mudder and, and this seemed like a, a natural next place to go. You, you trusted in it. But at first, was it tough getting these partnerships and everything? Because now you have some great ones like DraftKings, the Air Force, WWE, Swatch. You're really bringing in a ton of people into the fold. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, when we started, there were certain connotations of kind of what are drones. I think the just the general perception of what a drone is, how you can use it. Um, the different use cases, we really took a standpoint of we're a really easy and accessible sport for people to get excited about the drones and the technology that goes into them um, so that they can really dig into kind of all of the other uses and applications of the technology, um, but certainly had to overcome, you know, common perceptions across society about what they are. We are really exciting and at the core everyone understands a race it's about who gets from the starting position to the finish position first and so it became really accessible for people and we always had taken a stand of how do we make this look really cool and just so different from anything else that you're seeing out there we've often uh, in the early days been compared to real life video game And so we really leaned into that. And we have been very fortunate to find a lot of partners that really saw the vision and the potential for it um, and have helped us get to where we are now. Yeah, it's very cool. I was talking to Duner about, you know, uh, before before the show about how they tried to colorize the puck for hockey, right, Mm -hmm. to make it viewable. And you guys seem to figure out how to make this exciting, very easy to watch. I've watched it many times on television and and it's quite easy to see a race, although you think it would be very hard with how fast that those guys are moving there. But can you tell yep. us about those events? You said that they're, you know, they're, they're these races and it's just about getting from the start to the finish. There's more involved in an event, though, right? It's not just one race. There is a lot involved in the event. Yeah. So our team, we're completely integrated. So biggest kind of 
misconception about how we produce our events is that we actually have teams that deliver all aspects of the event internally. So that starts with the design of our drone. We have a team of engineers that touch every piece of software, firmware, hardware that goes into that drone. And we have 600 drones. We have we assemble them at our offices in Manhattan and we ship them through the world in cases to all of our events. Uh, when they crash, we build them back up. Uh, so our team really knows them in and out. Uh, we do all of our own event logistics. We also film the media ourselves. So we are the ones uh, hiring producers, directors, camera operators, a broadcast track to capture all of the content. Uh, and then eventually putting that together into shows that are seen uh, across the world. And so being able to do that completely with our internal teams has really enabled us to quickly solve some of the challenges that you mentioned. Like, how do you film a drone that's going 90 miles an hour yeah. through a course when it's the size of a dinner plate? And how do we change the colors? And how do you associate a drone with a pilot when they're you know, one is sitting stationary and the other is zipping around a venue. Uh, so it really is the team that has come together to help solve those that has enabled us to move forward really quickly with it. Now, how do you come up with these courses and, and who designs them? Because I'm looking at them. They're obviously very video game inspired with the coloring and just the the location where you're going, like the Adventure Dome. I believe there's like an amusement park in there. Yep. I saw one where they're flying around half pipes and everything. So it seems very inspired by the world of gaming, but who's coming up with these things? It is a group effort. So uh, myself and then we have, we actually have a technical director and course designer on our events team who really takes the lead at putting together the lighting plots and what you see with all of the gates and the scenic elements that are spread throughout the venue. Uh, and then we work with our tech team to understand if there are any limitations with where the drones can fly and with our media team to make sure that we're able to capture the content. So it's going to look good on TV at the end as well. It's very cool. And I've watched it on TV many times, but what's the experience for, you know, in person, does crowds come here? Do they meet the pilots? Uh, how does that work? Yes, it is. It is the most fun thing to see in person. So our last in-person event in the U.S. was in Phoenix uh, towards the end of 2019. Uh, we didn't get to do any in-person events in 2020 for COVID reasons, um, but we are absolutely on the road to get back to those. It is so exciting. Again, you kind of feel the whoosh of the drone. We have the crowd that is counting down to launch for each of the drones. We do autograph sessions with our pilots, meet and greets. You can buy your favorite pilot's jersey. We had drone-themed food and drinks that you could buy. Um, it is really a full production and a full show. Um, so you see uh, a whole level over the course of kind of two, two and a half hours. And then at the end, it culminates with us kind of crowning whoever is that level winner. Do, do you need to bring like a uh, a mitt with you or something? What if these go fly like go foul into the into the audience? I've heard they can go like up to eighty miles an hour, but you also set a record with one that like one hundred ninety six miles an hour before it exploded on itself. Yes, yes, that drone does not um, play a part in our actual race events. All the pilots fly the Racer Four. So they're all flying the same drone. The pilots don't even touch the drone when we're on site. We have our team that supplies and rehabs the drones throughout the process. Uh, we are really big on safety. We have a partnership with the FAA, and that is kind of what we're collaborating with 
them on. So we own, I think, almost a whole kind of semi-truck full of netting uh, that we install, we rig up. Mm. We always make sure that there is some sort of barrier between the audience and the course itself so that we, you would not catch anything uh, with your mitt if you brought that <laughs> to one of our races. <laughs> nice. Let's talk about those those pilots because that's interesting that you guys are building everything in house, and so they don't have access to or how do they get access to the equipment is one of the questions. But let's talk about the pilots a little bit. How are the who are these people? Yeah. Uh they're great. So they come from all over the world. Uh, our youngest pilot turned eighteen this year. Heads up, uh, and he just completely swept last season. He is you know the new next generation of kind of these drone pilots that are racing harder and faster than pilots we have seen over the last five years. So there are a lot of up and coming pilots um, need to be 18 to be part of DRL. So we're excited for them to come, but they, you know, are technologists. Um, they're engineers. We have one that has a PhD in physics. They really kind of have a very diverse array of backgrounds. Um, all of them have been racing drones and building drones themselves for years. Uh, and they are doing a lot of kind of cinematography work. They, this is their life. Like they are professional drone pilots. They're in it for the competition and they really push the boundaries of what our drone can do on the courses. Now you did uh, with Swatch, you had a partnership with them to recruit some, some drone pilots, right? For that, is it almost sort of like a, uh, like an American Idol version of, of bringing a drone pilot on where you're trying to tap into the world of video gamers or, or something to that extent to, to see how they've done in your league? And how, do, how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So we have our real life races. We also have our DRL simulator. So it's a video game. It has real to life physics. You use the same controller flying the video game as you do flying a drone in real life at one of our events. Um, and we built it to be a training tool so that more people could get into flying drones, eventually progress up the ranks and become an elite drone racing pilot. Uh, so we host a tryouts every year. Our tryouts for this year will be announced soon um, where we have player to pilot tournament. So anyone across the world can participate. They can post a time on a leaderboard and then we host a tournament with the top players and whoever wins that tournament and has the best times in the sim actually gets invited to be a pilot in our league. So uh, when, when you're watching these things, they're, they're, they're wearing those head goggles, right? The virtual reality uh, headsets. Is that essential for controlling these things? I mean, why aren't they watching like the thing? Is it, is it just different that way? Uh, it is. So they're called first person view goggles. Uh, the yeah. goggles actually connect. I have a drone actually next to me. Uh, so yeah. goggles connect to camera on the drone. Uh, so behind this screen, there is a camera and then our radio system connects that camera with what the pilots see in their goggles. So they actually are flying the drones and they feel as if they're in the cockpit of the drone itself. So it mm. gives a really immersive experience. We hear of new pilots experiencing vertigo, getting dizzy, like they have to sit down because it really does feel like you are out there in the drone flying through gates that are, you know, rigged a hundred feet off the ground and zipping around up and down through different maneuvers that we built. 
Yeah, I was watching a video on your site. You had one where like video gamers try flying these for the first time. And there was there's one guy who put it on and he wanted to do like a barrel roll along with the drone because you have to I guess you have to separate your mind right from your senses. You like that is the first part of training is just keeping your body from reacting um, subconsciously to what you're seeing through these these goggles. Absolutely. And that's one of the great parts about learning on the simulator. A lot of it is just muscle memory on the stick. So your brain being able to tell your fingers these really micro movements of what you need to do in order to control the Mm -hmm. drone. So be able to do that when you're on a computer screen or on Xbox or PlayStation, that it teaches you that. So your brain remembers that. So then when you get out there, you're actually behind the goggles and you're in a field, you you know what you're doing, uh, so less likely to kind of tumble over or get dizzy when you are kind of full on within the FPV experience. So I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a racer. I'm a pilot. I make it into this league. What am I What am I racing for? What What does the winner get? A, a undying appreciation and admiration, or championship what, what belt? Championship belts. <laughs> championship. Yeah. No. I mean, glory. So you get to be called the champion. Um, you, you get a really awesome trophy, and then we have prize money at the end of every level that pilots are competing for throughout the season. Nice. Uh, yeah, I was seeing like in one of the competitions, you could win like a seventy-five thousand dollar, a hundred thousand dollar contract, and mm. you can probably too. I mean, if you're one of these, you you want to jump into this business, you're you could probably make a pretty decent living here between the purses you'd win in this. You could become a, an, an influencer yeah. within that community. You can set up your own Twitch and that kind of stuff. Has, are any of your, your drone pilots really leveraging the heck out of this and, and becoming superstars in their own right? Absolutely. And we support them in that. I mean, the more that the industry grows and that is our goal. Um, some of our projections just from, you know, market research is that the drone racing market is set to grow by over 400% to over 2 billion to a $2 billion industry in the next five years. So there is a lot of opportunity out there. Um, and it is really exciting to see our pilots participate in with drones and the skills that they've learned at DRL in a lot of different areas. Let's talk about that audience a little bit. How are you getting these, these videos out to them? Uh, Vincent mentioned he's watched it on TV, but I imagine a lot of your viewers are probably streaming this type of content, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we are on NBC in the U S we're on a host of other networks globally. Uh, And then we also stream on Twitter and Facebook. So there are a lot of different opportunities for folks to tune in, whether that is, you know, watching on their phone or watching on their TV at home. So what are the arenas like? You know, when I was watching them, the races that I saw looked like uh, warehouses. You know, they were kind of set up inside warehouses. Is that what they are? Are they in in like arenas, like hockey arenas, basketball arenas? Uh, I saw one video. It looked like it was on a football field. Oh, I think it was the Dolphins, right? Like Hard Rock uh, Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, we've been to Hard Rock Stadium three times now. Uh, We've done a different course there every time. It is a beautiful venue. Love going back there. Uh, We've done all sorts of venues. So we've been at a palace in London, our race uh, in Phoenix with a 4,000 plus audience was at a ballpark. We have been in arenas, NFL stadiums, abandoned malls, abandoned warehouses. Uh, The audience events are kind of, you know, in places where you can host a large crowd. So ballparks, stadiums, arenas, Um, we can host 
pretty much anywhere. We're so flexible with our operations that we can accordion up and down in terms of the size of the footprint. Um, but for those large crowds, we we really are in locations where where they everybody can have a seat and we have plenty of space to install all of our netting and safety mechanisms. I mean, think of the virtual stadium prospects here, too. So oh, all yeah. the pilots have the goggles on. But if you're yeah. at home and, and things like the Oculus, more consumers start picking those up or whatever yeah. virtual headset there is, you could jump into the drone with the with the pilot potentially, couldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. That's something that we are still we're looking into that for, like, what is the next generation of our drone? How do we get people more involved? How do you make it more immersive for viewers at large? Um, so yeah, totally imagine, you know, you're sitting at home on your couch and you put your headset on and you're right there riding along with the pilot. Yeah. You're rolling around your living room doing barrel rolls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Ashley, I want to put some money down on jet over Gab 707. Can I do that? Are we gambling on this stuff? What's going on? Can I go to the sports you book can. at the uh, MGM and yeah. do it? Yeah. So once we, once we launch our 21 season and get back to racing, which we'll be doing later this year, um, you can now bet on drone racing. It is the first aerial sport that people can bet on. Um, and you can make that bet on jet over gab. There you go. So you're developing these drones, right? And you, you even work with the FAA on them. So I'm sure there's a little bit of data sharing going on and how these things operate, knowing the capabilities of them. And and mind you, you're for racing. So you're probably optimizing right for speed and keep them lightweight. But do you think that there's a really, I mean, a lot of people here are talking about using drones for delivery. Does that seem feasible knowing what you know about drones? It's definitely feasible. I think you picked up on some of the challenges of how do you how do we track them and how do we kind of change our the way that we're monitoring the airspace. Um, they're they're a lot more accessible. Anybody can kind of pick up a drone and get out there and fly. Uh, there are certainly a limit to the payload that a drone can carry, so there are some considerations on that. But I know that is something the FAA is actively kind of working on of how do we facilitate and help with the delivery um, aspects of drones. We've certainly looked into, can we use one of our drones to bring um, a drink or do prize drops or different things with our fans in the crowd? So we've looked at it from kind of a smaller scale on site at our events. Mm -hmm. um, And maybe that is something that we will include in the future. Very cool. We got time to talk about artificial intelligence, robotic racing or air. The DRL recently launched. Can you talk about that a little bit? Air sound, the air circuit sounds really cool. Yeah. So we launched the air circuit in 2019 with Lockheed Martin. uh, And the goal was to make the drones fly themselves. So we built a brand new drone and a platform that had sort of a sandbox for teams from across the world. A lot of them were affiliated with universities to actually code um, the drone so that it would recognize different markers on our course. And we pushed a button, their code launched, and then the drone would fly themselves based on what they had input. Uh, the We did four races in 2019. The first race, we had one drone make it through one gate. Um, and then by the end of that series, we had multiple drones making it through all four gates and into the finish. So it was really rapid iteration and movement on terms of the machine learning and how, how do you optimize the code and the algorithm algorithms that the teams were building so that the drones were smarter. 
Now you mentioned wow. the, the the small payloads, and obviously there's racing drones optimized for speed. But one of my favorite games is Mario Kart. Is there any uh, chance to be starting to put like smoke screens on these things, or you know, sparklers, or, or just ways to yeah, ways to mess with your opponent? <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's one of the um, a lot of community uh, races are kind of you know just for fun. I've seen videos of people putting a um, uh, like a smoke. Uh, contraption i don't know what it's called onto the backs of their drones and they'll do kind of like chase or they'll tie like a streamer and you go and try to cut um the pilot in front of you streamer off and we've looked into things like that i think we're more likely to do that on kind of a fun side basis versus the racing um at this stage you know we want to maintain the purity of the sport um, and we are always looking at the right balance of what can we add that adds to the competition versus like has potential to alter the outcome. I, I, I just I would like to suggest that you put some sort of uh, pyrotechnics on them so that they do crash. They just <laughs> explode. Everyone just, just makes like a vapor. I've heard thing. that one before. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> they're pretty dramatic if you slow them down and actually watch oh, the crashes. They just happen so fast. Really Before is. we let her go, so we have a, something that could lead to a, a crash. Derek uh, Rowan, he says, what happens if the video feed goes out for a pilot? Uh, so that, it would be a problem. So if yeah. the video feed does go out for a pilot, they can't see and then they would crash. Um, <laughs> even if there is like just too much latency between what the pilot yeah. sees in his or her goggles and where the drone is in space that could also result in a crash. DRL has uh, a lot of proprietary technology that we set up at all of our races uh, courses that enable us to ensure that there is constant link between the, both the control and the video radios on the drone and our pilot. So again, that's something that we really, is a huge risk. And so we have put in place some systems to make sure that we have a constant link. Hey, all these people in the comments, they said they're going to quit their jobs. I, I apologize for the companies who joined us who allowed awesome. their people. <laughs> they want to quit their jobs. They want to join the drone, drone racing league. We got about a minute left. What do they got to do to, to join up and to, to train to get there? Awesome. Uh, the SIM. So download the SIM and practice, practice, practice. Uh, we have tryouts for this season launching pretty shortly. And then we do that on an annual basis. So we're always looking, get out there, um, find the local kind of community organizations that are racing drones, um, reach out on social to the pilots that you see. It really is a community out there. And uh, if anything, I just think people want to help others get into the sport and into racing. So they're always willing to share information and tips and tricks. Sounds so cool. cool. Hey, we th thank you so much for joining us at Droneways and telling us about this really exciting new racing league. I think you've made some fans today. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was fun. Take care. Have a good one. Wow. Well, you know, someone asked if these things are difficult to fly. Like, yeah, even without very. the goggles on, they're, they're difficult to fly. I think it's even harder without the goggles. Is it? I think with them, though, because you get the sensory thing, it's, trying to, it's, like, eating a it's like trying to eat with chopsticks for the first time with a blindfold on. Well, yeah, well, just talking to our expert here, Aaron, uh, what she was telling me is that when you don't have those goggles on, it's very difficult because there's no safety things on these. They're yeah. very free form, so you can crash them really easy. They don't have, like, ac uh, You crash them really easy. Uh, don't well, make accusations and that had, at And that me. had avoidance on I haven't I lost a single drone yet, people. I've I haven't flown one. a single drone yet either.
I lost one. I got that going for me. I'll tell you what I am doing. I'm downloading the simulator right after the show. Hey, you download this show after the show. Yeah. That doesn't really make sense. Download our other shows, our whole back catalog. We have over 300 What the Trucks we've done while we've been here. Look up What the Truck on your favorite podcast player of choice. Get it wherever you find podcasts. Look up Freightcast. Get every single Freightways podcast all on one feed. It's lunchtime now. Go make some friends. This is a conference. If you scroll right down into the video where you're watching it, live.freightwaves.com, which we know you registered at so you can win that drone, click on Icebreakers. UI, it's an open chat forum. They they pair you up with somebody and do a little mixer, exchange some LinkedIn. This has been Dooner. That's been the dude. Tell him what's up. Peace and love, everybody. Peace and love.